Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. It is my immense joy to welcome as my conversation partner today, Ken Davis. Ken is a preacher. He is a comic. He is a world-class communicator. He's an author. He is a father, a grandfather, an amazing husband, and has been a great friend and mentor to me over the years. Ken, thank you so much for giving us your time and your expertise today. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. You really need to talk to my wife about that amazing husband part, but everything else is pretty good. (laughs) We'll have her out at a follow-up episode. (laughs) I first heard Ken speak when I was 18 years old. It was the fall of my freshman year at Taylor University. I can point to the exact seat that I was sitting in in Rediger Chapel in Upland, Indiana, when Ken, you, you talked about how when you know that you're loved, you can live your life with nothing to lose nothing to prove and nothing to hide. I have carried that with me since then. I've been going to church ever since I was zero. I've heard thousands of sermons. There are probably five that I could could recall in their entirety. That's one of them. So first off, just thank you for utilizing uh, your gifts in such a way that that met me at a point in my life where I desperately needed to hear those words. Thank you. Yeah, that You're very kind. Uh, I, I was grateful to be at Taylor. I worked with Youth for Christ for many years and Jay Kessler, was he there when I was there? He was, yeah. yeah. He, was the, he was the president at the time, and it was great to see him again, too. So, Ken, talk a little bit about your journey. How, how did you find your way into speaking and communicating as, oh, as your oh. gift and your craft? I got into trouble. It's very serious. First of all, let me just start back a little further. I have never had any athletic ability. I have the eye-hand coordination of a carp. Uh, are you familiar with what a carp is? It's a fish, right? Yeah, but it, it's not a regular fish. It has lips. It has n- nasty uh, Hollywood selfie lips. Uh, and it can't throw a football. It can't make a touchdown. It can't do anything. And um, that made me um, that made me the object of bullying in high school. Um, I went to a very small school. Every, every young man in my class... Uh, played in one of the sports. I had curvature of the bone in both of my arms. I couldn't straighten either arm all the way. I couldn't catch a football. Um, I, I just was not athletic at all. And I found that if I could make people laugh, they would not hit me. Uh, and that became kind of a primary thing. And I also developed this idea that if I could make people laugh, that would give me worth that I just didn't have because I couldn't play any of the sports. So we were in English class. We were studying Shakespeare. And, and Shakespeare talks about a spot on his, on his a toga, uh, a spot of blood. And he uses a mild curse word to describe that spot. And I raised my hand and suggested a couple of other very inappropriate adjectives to describe the spot of blood on his his toga. This English teacher had never been anything but kind to me. And I did this to make my classmates laugh. And, you know, they would then that would develop what I thought was value. My teacher made me stay after class. Francis Peterson, an angel, made me stay after class. When you stayed after class, you missed your bus. This may seem long, but it's important. 
she, you missed your bus and they called your parents to come and get you so they could discuss what had happened and, and talk to you about what was going to be the consequences. When you finished correcting papers, she capped her pen. I can still see her long, slender fingers. She was probably 65 at the time, 70. And it was, she had these spots on her hand with long, slender fingers. And she looked at me and she said, Kenneth Alpheus Davis. That's my full name. And that's never said the full name, except when disaster follows. Punishment is going to come. Some kind of um, retribution. She said, look at me. She said, son, God has given you a gift. Seven words. She said, now you're using it to destroy my class. And that's going to change. You're going to go out for speech. In fact, you're going to go out for humorous interpretations since you think you're funny. And I stood up being the smart mouth kid that I was. And I said, I will not go out for speech. All my friends, I, I get beat up all the time. My friends are walking around with letter jackets that have macho symbols, hockey sticks, footballs. I will not walk around with a set of lips hanging off of my jacket. That'll just get me beat up more. And she said, sit down. Either you will go out for speech. You will go out for speech, she said, because the consequences are unthinkable if you don't. And so I went out for speech. By the way, my parents came and the teacher said to my parents, think of this moment. She said to them, your son, Ken, is amazingly gifted. And I've asked him to go out for speech. And I'm hoping that you will support him. There was nothing said about what deserved the consequences. Wow. I threw dirt at her and she picked it up and sifted through it and came up with a nugget of gold and held that up for my parents. I won almost every contest I entered and it started me on this road. And I'll just make this very brief on that road. Instead of it, it still was my worth. My worth was making people laugh. That made me feel good. I, I was working comedy clubs across the country um, and then I realized one day that I want to I want to affect people's lives. I'm 75 years old today. And the most important thing to me isn't filling a 2000 or even a, I've, I've spoken to 22,000 people at one sure. time. What's important is the letter I get from a teenager who said uh, I came tonight planning how and when I would take my life. And I started laughing. And I realized God still loves me. I get those all the time, sometimes from way back when I was a mess myself. And so that's what started it all. And I've been doing it for 50 years. And when, when was it, or maybe there wasn't a point, maybe this is a journey, because I think one of the lessons you've helped me navigate as a communicator is that temptation to find your identity in the praise or in the applause or in the captivation is ongoing. How have you managed that temptation as, as a communicator? Well, uh, it, uh, I imagine it's still there a little bit. It's not as prevalent as it was at one time, partly because the thrill from all of that fades away. I believe it was Freddie Prince Jr. who, at the peak of his career, made this statement to someone, I can't hear them laughing anymore. And he took his own life. 
if I might try to interpret what he was saying, it was, I, their laughter no longer brings me the joy and fulfillment it once did. And if you're a comedian, where do you go from there? This is so true of people that have reached the top of their career in Hollywood or whatever and, and take their own lives or end up just drowning themselves in drugs or whatever it might be. I stepped out of a comedy club one night. I had just received a standing ovation. It was so funny because the owner of the club stood up and he said, never had a standing ovation in here. People don't do standing ovations in comedy clubs. And he said he didn't even use any foul language. And then he used a bunch of foul language himself to tell me how great that was. <laughs> but I walked out of there and there, one of the waitresses that had been uh, serving people that night was sitting on the steps. She'd been stiff that night. No, nobody gave her enough tips to get home. And so I gave her the money to catch a, a cab home. And on the way home myself, I decided I, this isn't what it's about. And, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about this speakers conference that we run. I tell people all the time that it isn't about you. I know people that are so afraid to speak for fear they will look bad. It isn't about you. If you've got something to say or something to sell that can enrich people's lives, step up with confidence and give that information to the people because it's about them. I often say this, communication only happens at the intersection of what you want to say, where it intersects with the needs of the people that are listening to you. And that's, that's a, it's smaller than the whole presentation, but it's the most important part of what you're doing. So that's I, what, that's what brings me joy today. I, those little letters, those emails that I get from people, uh, just unbelievable. Ken, it seems like a lot of a lot of us or a lot of people when we do presentations or we're, we early on in school learned how to do presentations, the primary focus was always on here's how you communicate your content. And you're saying that there's another half of the equation, which is here's how you connect with people's needs. That's right. There, That's there are right. a lot of people who have mastered their content upside down and backwards. Yeah. Uh, but still didn't figure out a way to bridge that content yeah. to to somebody's needs. How? Wh why does that get missed more often than not? Well, uh, because a lot of them do it backwards. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. But I think that if you, there are three characteristics of an effective communicator in my mind. And this is what we teach. We Because it isn't easy. These are skills that can be developed. And for some people, they come naturally. Zig Ziglar was a natural communicator. Andy Stanley, unbelievable natural communicator. There are some people in ministry that aren't natural communicators that desperately need to learn how to make that connection. So here are the three characteristics. First of all, they speak with purpose. Hmm. At SCORE, we talked about this. I believe it was J.H. Jowett that said, no, no, no message is ready for delivering, not even for writing out, until you can write the objective of that of that message, what you want to accomplish. That means what you want people to believe, what action you want them to take, whatever it might be. And then you, then you design your speech to reach toward that. He said nothing until that can be expressed in a short, pregnant sentence as clear as crystal. And then he said, I find that as the most difficult, that is the hardest and the most rewarding part of my of my uh, preparation.
once he's got that down, then he can construct a speech to lead to that, uh, a message to lead to that uh, purpose. And that purpose always connects to the audience. It moves them, especially for those of us who are in, in faith-based ministry, it moves them to an action, a belief, a, um, a knowledge of some kind that will enable them to enrich their lives and hopefully, as I say, move them one step closer to the cross. Ken, that's great. I remember reading Andy Crouch's book, Strong and Weak, and he said a friend had given him some tips on communication. And, and, and that person's rule was, what makes a great communicator is somebody who knows their content, somebody who loves their audience, and somebody who's got the courage to be themselves. And I I, I love that you have seemed to have mastered this ability to, A, be, be yourself. Uh, and that sounds like that has been a, a, a long and important journey, but also to love to love your audience. And I think that there yeah. are many people who are like, my job is to blurt out content. And yeah. you you say like, no, 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 it's it's so much yeah. more than that. So so this characteristic, if I can get back to this, is they have a purpose and they have a plan. Yeah, yeah. They design their message to accomplish the purpose. And as you know, that's what SCORE teaches people how to do this without hesitation. You can step up with confidence knowing that it's done. And then yeah. finally, and this has to do with your personality and, and being yourself, is you deliver with believable passion. Yeah. So purpose, a plan to reach that purpose, and, and the kind of believable delivery that makes people believe that you believe what you want them to believe. That's so good. Ken, I was part of a research project that uh, Preaching Today has commissioned. And one of the questions that they were asking is, as culture changes and as people's attention spans seemingly shrink, should the duration of preaching change? And I hear you saying, you know, if somebody has purpose and they have a plan and they have passion, they can preach with 40, for 42 minutes and not put you to sleep. Or they could preach for 16 minutes and have none of those and have you be done 30 seconds after they open their mouth. That's true. Although I, I, I really do believe that 45 minutes uh, tests, especially when there's been another 45 minutes of worship music, tests true. the ability, at least for people my age, to stay in there. It, that's very rarely will you have someone... Well, first of all, a person wouldn't say this to the pastor. But if they could, rarely would they come up and say, oh, I wish you'd have gone another 20 minutes. Right. A lot of times it can be said in a shorter, shorter period of uh, time. Right. And, and what we and again, to get back to to what we teach in this that has has helped people so much is a formula that helps them prepare w without question leading them to that focus, to that purpose. Here there was the way I learned to prepare speeches in high school. You research, you study, whatever it might be. Then you list all the things you want to say. Then you organize those things in an order that you want to say them. And then you practice it and you get up and you say it. This is, this is the difference in what we, in, in our philosophy. First, you research or you study. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Then it's possible that you list all the things you want to say. Then you ask the question, why? To what end? I tell my students, people don't care what you want to talk about. I can't tell you the number of 
of speeches and sermons and whatever that are start like this. Today, I want to talk about, I want to just stand up and go, nobody cares. Sure. If, if you instead in your mind and your heart have today, I want to impact people's lives with this truth, whatever it might be, uh, then you can move forward. So you ask the question, why? The next step in preparation is to eliminate anything that doesn't lead to that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you might say something funny at the beginning that draws people attention. That leads to it. But there may be a story that you thought was funny somewhere in the talk that really doesn't relate or bring people closer to where you're going. You know how hard it is it for a comedian to drop that story? It's but hard. you drop it because it doesn't accomplish the purpose. Then right. you then you give it time to ferment and you practice it and you deliver with clarity and power. Ken, I'm so grateful for that. And I, I remember going to, to the workshop 20 years ago and hearing you say that we all, we have unconscious objectives that we bring oh. into the oh. message with us. Talk about that. What are, what are some of those that you see? Well, I got my book right here, so I'm going to, I'm going to refresh my own memory, but I know what the first one is because I lived it for years and years. I hope they like me. Yeah. That's why we would tell a story that might get laughter, but it doesn't relate to what we're doing. That's why we might tell a story that is so graphic and powerful that people can't get past it. Right. Because, oh, oh, you can almost see them. And, and I had a friend who did that. I couldn't convince him not to. I could mm-hmm. not convince him not to. He talked about an element of child abuse that was so graphic and, and horrible uh, that nobody heard another word after he right. shared that. Right. But he it liked did, it. Did, yeah, yeah you, you can response. You can get a rush off of the of, yeah. off of that engagement, but not yeah. be convinced that it actually took anybody anywhere, or it took them to a place that you never intended for them to go, or you didn't want them to stay. So you don't even know it. You've got this unconscious objective of I hope they like me. Another one is I need to fill the time. I got to fill up a half an hour, and you will see. That's how powerful objectives are. Right. They will like you. You will right. fill up the time. Right. Or I've got to get through all the material. Right. This is especially true of corporate people. We have a lot of corporate people that come who have a time where they're going to have a meeting and they think they need to dump all of this information in their talk. No, hand out a flyer, hand out something that's got the words on it, and then make your presentation about the most powerful, important part. And then you can increase the sales. And the same thing is true with with, uh, pastors, maybe even more, because they're going to cover this portion of scripture. Mm-hmm. And they never think about the fact that there's eight messages in that portion of scripture. Sure. There are eight truths that people need to walk away with. And they, they may go through the whole thing and people say, boy, he knows a lot about the Bible. That isn't what you're designed to do. You're designed to provide them with information that will impact their lives, a manageable amount of information. So you don't just have a big subject, you have some aspect of that subject. Now, here's another thing that's important. People often say to me, well, why would I come to your thing? I I do Bible stuff. I don't need to determine what the purpose is. I wrote a book called How to Speak to Youth and Keep Them Awake at the Same Time. I need to write a book about about how to remember the books you've written. But anyway, (laughs) 
I, how to speak to youth and keep them awake at the same time. And in that book, I talked about the importance of this focus, this purpose, this, and, and I got a review from a wonderful group, a wonderful man that was part of a, a group of youth, uh, youth ministers. He said the book was fantastic, all kinds of good, good evidence. But he said the, the part that really didn't apply was this part where every message has to have a focus a purpose. And then he said, Jesus spoke many times without a purpose. And you had to peel me with off the ceiling. He never opened his mouth, but what he didn't have an idea of how he wanted people to respond, what he wanted them to know. Sure. And that's, that's what made him a great communicator. There's a book that called As One Without Authority, which talks about Jesus's tendency to speak he spoke a lot of times in um, parables and stories. Sure. And so people say, well, you don't need points. His stories were the points. He didn't say, here's point number one. It's my favorite story. Here's point number two. He told the stories that led to a purpose. Yeah. Um, my friend Haddon Robinson talked about that kind of preaching. It's, a, it's, it's where sometimes even one single story Right. leads to a point that you cannot ignore. Right. So we, we talk about all of those things uh, leading to the purpose. Here's another uh, one. Um, I want to impress my audience. My, the worst speakers in the world to me are academics because they spend a whole lot of time letting you know how much they know with words that you don't understand. And um, that, that, that's just, you know, they want people to know that they're educated. And that comes partly because they're often communicating with their peers and they right. want to impress their peers. And here's another one, another unconscious objective. I want to regurgitate my research. Hmm. In other words, I spent six hours putting this message together. You're going to get all of it. <laughs> right, right. So those are some of the unconscious objectives that'll take over. And here's why objective and purpose is powerful. You will accomplish that objective. Yeah. It's unconscious. You may not get any message across, but you'll get people to like you. You'll fill the time. You'll get through the material. We do it. Sometimes people, again, react against this. I say, our lives, this is the way we were created. Yeah, I'm here today sitting in this chair because I had a purpose to meet with you and do a podcast. And everything I did up to this, except for forgetting the time of the first podcast, led to what we're doing now. Sure. It, it's the way we do life. It's the way you write books. I determined that I want to glorify God with my life. Yeah. When I fail, I have to eliminate that from my, you know, from what I'm doing. Right. Um, now here, uh, forgive me, I talk off the top of my head. I love Paul because Paul knew what he was doing. Paul would not only deliver the message, and then, but he would even tell people why he delivered it. Right. I just brought this up so that I won't mess it up. Hang on just a second. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, I gave this, oh, was it you that told me just now about nothing to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to yeah. lose? Sure. Yeah. Well, this one is, how do we know the will of God? Yeah. How can we know the will of God? And oftentimes we spend enormous amounts of time going, I choose door number one. Because God's giving us three doors. We want to make sure we don't get the 
you know, the skunk behind the bad door and we're hoping we'll get the good door. But here's what Paul wrote about knowing the will of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When I see that because of what I've learned, I realize Paul's just given me one of the points to a message. Okay, give God your body. I wrote it down. Next thing he says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Isn't that interesting that worship isn't the songs sung before the service? It's what you do with what you heard after the service. Hmm. Um, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And I thought, well, what is that? Oh, wait, most of us allow the world to set what our will is. God wants us, God, God wants um, us to give him our, our will. He wants to give him our purpose. We want, he wants to have us totally committed to him. So I, I just wrote down, give God your will. And then he says, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't know about you. How many times has your mind tripped you up? Oh, sure. Genghis Khan conquered tons of territory with an army smaller than most of the places he conquered. They asked him, how do you do this? And with, I would imagine, a smirk, he said, we bribed the gatekeeper. The, your mind is the gatekeeper to your soul, to your life. And if that goes bad, and I've experienced this, man, uh, it, it, it can cause you to be defeated in every, every single way. So here we got, give God your will, give God your body, give God your mind. Why would you do that? Paul says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it isn't about so much, should I go through this door or this door or this door? It's about giving everything you are to God. And then God says that the spirit works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's but good. only when we're committed like that. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Ken, talk a little bit about the workshop that's coming up and where where people, whether they are business communicators, whether they're youth pastors, whether they're seasoned pastors, if they want to take their communication to the next level, you, you've got an opportunity for them to yeah. do that. Our, our, our uh, attendance varies, but sometimes it's a, a major part of corporate people and some in the ministry, and sometimes it's half and half, and sometimes it's the other way around, but the principles work no matter what. We call it the SCORE Training Academy. SCORE Speaker Training Academy, and it's right here in Nashville, and uh, people can go to scoretraining.com, and all of the information about it is there. There's different levels you can come in on. If you want to come in what we used to call audit, what we call this our, um, see, gold, bronze, the bronze level. Mm -hmm. You just listen, but you know, and I know, that there's nothing more powerful than listening then applying it, and then having some certified experts in, in communication oh, give yeah. you positive feedback and help you eliminate the obstacles that might be there in your communication. And then you do it again another time. And by that time, we actually give away the videos of each speech and people say, I can't believe what happened in those two days, in those right. three days. And you remember that. 
Sure. You remember people getting up and fumbling through their first talk? And then as they gained confidence in determining a purpose, a focus, and how to put that together and build rationale that lead to that focus, and how to find stories and, and resources that bring light and color to that truth, it just makes all the difference in the world. So it's, it's scoretraining.com. And I'm going to do like the ads do. I'm, I'm going to tell you this one time. Oh, and by the way, there's two R's in score. Don't mess yourself up score s-c-o-r-r-e and you know that's part of our training it's a yep. process yep s-c-o-r-r-e training.com and then we have the uh silver which is our our well-certified unbelievable um coaches which will listen to your talk and give you feedback and then i take a number of people in the gold um the the gold thing and and um I get to, I get to do them. I, I love it. I still love it. I, I, I used to get tired doing it because we did all of the details by ourselves. This just fires me up. I could run a marathon afterwards. I would die, but I would run it. Well, I want to, I want to thank you for all the work that you've done over the years to invest in it and make it great. I've been a participant in, in three different workshops that you've done and you were gracious enough to coach me uh, when I was working at a local church just a couple of years ago. And I just, I, I love your perspective that it doesn't have, it can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be intimidating and no. you can always, there's always room to get better. And if there's something as important as giving people like the life of Jesus as expressed through, through spoken words, why, why would we not be as good as we could possibly get? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I have people who make tens of thousands of dollars, excuse me, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, sometimes over a million dollars a year, who are the kind of people who want to be the best they can be who come. That's great. I had a Sunday school teacher come. I wept. He had four girls in his Sunday school class and he wanted to be the best at delivering God's word to them and helping them grow as disciples. Those are the kind of people that come to these things. And I'm always thrilled to be with people who are never satisfied with the status quo. Ken, last question. You talked about purpose. You talked about plan. Both of those are, are elements that get hit on uh, with a great deal of strategy and intentionality in the workshop. Talk a little bit about passion for people who maybe are experiencing just fatigue in life or in COVID or in illness, and they're having just a hard time plumbing the depths of their energy to come with the fire that they want, or maybe that they once had. What, what do you, what do you no. say to people who are just feeling um, beat up and, and running low on the energy meter these days? Yeah. Well, of course, uh, from, from a strictly um, non, um, a, a non-communication teaching perspective, uh, you know, I have been through that. COVID destroyed me emotionally. And I had to lean heavily on the on, on the Lord. I just had to go to him because he's where he's where that comes from. I think remembering that this is not only life-changing, it's it's eternal in nature hmm. helps bring back the passion. But from a communication standpoint, it's always the stories that bring light to the truth. I don't know if you remember we showed a picture of that building in Denver. It's a city and county building. It's, it's a pretty building, but people just drive right past it. 
At Christmas time, they light it up with all kinds of colors. And people stopped to see what they would never have stopped to see before. Same building. Yeah. So um, I tell the story of my little, uh, I, I wrote a book called uh, Fully Alive uh, about the restoration of my health and my spiritual life and so on. And I tell the story about um, my little granddaughter being lost in the mountains of Colorado. Four years old, walked away from the campsite. And she was found that day, but in the process of believing eventually that we would never find her, I fell on my knees exhausted. I, for four hours, I had run, I had walked, I had climbed in this remote area, calling her name, looking for her. We had called a rescue team and they came and they had lined up a mile above our camp because they said little children, when they do get lost, they go downhill. They don't spend time climbing. By the way, I'll tell you now, so I don't forget, they found her two and a half miles straight up. I don't have normal children <laughs> or grandchildren, but they would have never found her. A teacher and her husband found her. They were going to climb the mountain and found her above tree line under brush, sitting on a rock. They thought it was a backpack. The teacher went over to her and said, um, are you okay? And my, my granddaughter said, I cannot speak with you. We had taught him not to talk to strangers. <laughs> and this beautiful teacher who was a believer, by the way, said, oh, you think I'm a stranger. I'm not a stranger. I'm a teacher. And my name is Molly, which just happened to be, and I'm doing the little quotes here, the name of my granddaughter's family's best friend. She said, are you okay? And Molly said she exploded into her arms, weeping. My grandpa is lost. And I say in the book, she was right, but I was about to be found. It was one of the major steps. They brought her back to me. And this is a story that describes how we find the passion. It really is. They brought her back to me after she had disobeyed, after she had been gone, after she had wandered away. And I, there's a picture of me holding her hands and people say, what are you saying to her? And, and jokingly, I say, I'm telling her, you're a bad, nasty little girl. No way. How about, I, uh, how many times have I told you? Do you know what I said to her? I choked out about three or four times. I love you. I love you. I love you. And in that moment, I'm telling you as clearly as I've ever heard God's voice, I heard him say, and I love you, dude. And I wanted to say, but I've sort of been lost. I've gone on some bad trails. You know, there's bears in the woods that I was in. But his response is, I love you. That story allows me to deliver with passion what would otherwise be two or three sentences. Hmm. And so we open our eyes to the stories around us. And it changes the way people hear it. And it changes lives. Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us for the conversation today. Thanks for the work that you're doing. What are the dates for the conference again for people who are still oh, tuning yeah. in? The 23rd through the 25th of October. Come Perfect. in the night of the 23rd or the afternoon okay. of the 23rd. We'll do 24th and 25th almost all day. 
you get okay. to do two speeches and and then you get to go home. Great. Well, Ken, thank you so much for giving time to us today. And I really hope that some people find their way to Nashville for the conference in October. It will be transformative for them and, and everybody that they use their gift to connect with over the rest, yep. uh, over the course of a lifetime. Yep. Score with two L's training.com. Sounds like a plan. All the information. I love you, right. man. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.